0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball
0: Network.
2: From the diamond, to the clubhouse, to the front office. This is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota, it's how memories are created and legends are made in a warm and steamy sunny day here in Arlington. Twins and the Rangers gearing up for the third and final game, the rubber game, in fact of this weekend series. Twins won on Friday, 10-7. Rangers prevailing last night, 7-4. Now today, these two teams one more time in 2018. I'm Corey Provis. Welcome to the show. We're awaiting Twins GM Thad Levine, who will join us here on our Sunday program. But the Twins today are doing something that... We've been hearing about, and now we will see for the first time, certainly at the big league level, something that the Twins have been doing quite often. In fact, throughout their minor league system, most notably a AA double-A and triple-A today, the Twins are using an opener, meaning that Gabriel Moya, who did do this down at triple-A this season, beginning games, throwing the first inning, maybe the first two, and then Zach Littell will follow Moya and serve as the primary pitcher. So two guys, while they're doing it for the first time at the big league level, certainly have done this, both Moya and Latell down at AAA this season. So Moya will begin the game, and opposing for the Rangers, right uh, left-hander, beg your pardon, Johander Mendez, who is back up from the minor leagues. Mendez has spent the bulk of the season in the minors, a couple of starts with the Rangers, and we'll talk more about him as the broadcast moves along. But uh, Chris Atterbury, kind enough to join us while we await Uh, Thad Levine's arrival here in the booth, Chris, but uh, let's start right there. It is a big day, certainly something we have been discussing on the air for quite some time, and now we'll see play out of the big league level with Moya opening up today.
0: And I think we're going to find it to be quite prevalent over the month of September as rosters have expanded. You know, last night, I don't know if you can call it an opener with the A's. They used Liam Hendricks. They used a a whole room full of pitchers in in their nine-inning ball game. but the Rangers have announced that they will actually utilize an opener tomorrow uh, and it makes sense for them, right, because they don't have depth in their rotation between injuries and, and attrition, and it makes sense for certainly some members of this twin staff, as was discussed yesterday. It won't be Odorizzi, it won't be Gibson, it won't be Barrios, but it makes sense for guys like Latell and Gonsalves and Stewart at this point in time, and uh, I think it's time to get past the, the idea that this may or may not happen. It is happening. It's happening for a reason. It's a fact-based uh, situation. I think if you want to have a concern, the concern would be that you have enough pitchers that, that need an opening. Yeah. You know what? You'd want to develop guys where you wouldn't need to utilize it because it's not the chosen path, but it's a, a path that has proven to be effective in utilizing what you do have at your disposal.
2: You know, the first time that the Twins, at least at the minor league level, did this this season, it was left-hander Paco Rodriguez, who was pitching for Double A Chattanooga at the time, and the date was on July 18th. He was the first one to do it, and to no surprise, Chris, the results came back promising, and with that, We've seen this matriculate throughout Double A, but also at the Triple A level, and even Zach Littell, whom we're going to see, Moya, uh, we see Littell follow Moya today. Benefited, the numbers bear that out. They're not too far off from what he was doing as a starter, but. The numbers speak volumes here.
0: Yeah, and the numbers are, when we talk about fact-based, that, that's why they started doing it. They didn't make an announcement. It just began because after the race had success at the major league level with it, it was like, let's see what we have with our personnel that we have. And as it turns out, significant increases in terms of uh, the numbers uh, for these players. The, the numbers were just flat-out better. There was no denying it, and it was a better utilization of some of the guys uh, in terms of getting them deeper into ball games. I talked to Zach yesterday. We're going to hear it on our lineup card later, Corey. Uh, and I like his approach to it in terms of how he absorbed the information that was presented to him and then also the way it was kind of uh, presented not just from the analytics department but also from Joel Skinner at AAA that really made a lot of sense to him and I think a lot of his teammates.
2: It sounds like and I'm curious to hear that. But, but everybody bought in that this was something that they, they looked at, they being some of the Twins minor league pitchers, and said, look, this is only going to help you. These are going to be good numbers. These are going to help you along the way and hopefully get you to where you want to get to, and that is at the big league level.
0: And if it's not working and Zach had, had some trouble up here in his, in his few starts and his numbers were okay you know, down there, not great to start the year at AAA, if it's not working and someone comes to you and says, you know what, we think you can get to the big leagues, you can help in the big leagues, but here's what you have to do to get there. You'd be silly not to embrace it, right? I go back to Cole Stewart. It wasn't working. His usage wasn't working. Uh, The sinker he was utilizing was not working. They went to Cole and said, we'd like you to try this. At that point, he was unclaimed. He was unprotected. And he was like, well, yeah, because the way I've been doing it, it wasn't working. So if it can help you get to the big leagues, I think you're silly not to embrace it.
2: We'll take a break, come back, and we're going to do our best to try and track down Thad Levine for Inside Twins coming up after this program. We'll have the United Realty pregame show at 1.30, then 2.05. Game three, Moya and Mendez as the Twins and the Rangers wrap up this weekend series. We'll take a break, come back, have more of our Sunday show next on your home for Twins Baseball.
3: Dave Lee, tomorrow at
1: 6. Twins Baseball Now. News Talk 830 WCCO. You're listening
2: to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota, it's how memories are created and legends are made. Back with Chris Atterbury, still trying to locate Twins GM Thad Levine for our Sunday program. But, uh, Chris, we touched on the Twins going with an opener, certainly a storyline today. But as for some news late last night, and certainly still Twins fans are thinking about, reading about, and no doubt letting their feelings known about is uh, what we learned last night involving, you know, maybe the most important player in the organization right now in Byron Buxton, and he will not come up here in September.
0: Yeah, Fad spoke extensively about it last night, talked a lot about He said a a three-headed reason as to why one of it involved health. Uh, He acknowledged that service time, that they would be remiss if they didn't recognize service time in dealing with with every player. That's the issue fans are going to glom onto. Corey, I'm a poor Mouthpiece for this uh, for this situation. Obviously, I can't speak to the front office's mindset. Uh, we're going to hear Paul touch on it a little bit as part of our pregame lineup card. But, you know, Thad talked extensively last night. He seemed to intimate that Byron wasn't fully healthy at AAA uh, with the wrist, was trying to play through it. Seemed to intimate. Uh, certainly one big takeaway was that No jobs are safe next year, whether it be Byron or whether it be Jay Cave uh, going into Springs, and he hoped that Byron would come back and seize it. I'm with you. I think Byron is the single most important figure in this organization, not only for what he can do, but for what he brings out of his teammates in terms of being, I think, the the true catalyst and the straw for that whole young core in terms of how they react to him, how he elevates their play. He's not going to be here. Uh, hopefully he gets healthy, and uh, and we'll see what happens. But this story's not going to go away.
2: Yeah, all right, we're going to uh, take a break right now. Thad Levine is just about to uh, stop by here in the booth and join the show. So we'll have some extra time when we come back. So we thank Chris for hopping on the show here. But Thad Levine in route. He will join us next as Inside Twins continues on your home for Twins Baseball. Chad Hartman, tomorrow at noon, Twins Baseball Now, News 12 A3O, WCCO. Crazy. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killer Brew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Dan Levine should be joining us here any minute for our Sunday program. Twins and the Rangers coming up at just after 2 o'clock here, Central Time, and a warm and steamy day in Arlington. Gabriel Moya will open up the game today for the Twins, and then Zach Littell will follow Johander Mendez back up from the minor leagues. He will oppose. For the Rangers, Twins are 63 and 72. Rangers at 59 and 77. And the Twins uh, will have a lineup today of Forsythe, Adrianza, Polanco, Grossman, Kepler, Asedio, Cave, Jimenez, and Johnny Field for the ball game today. And as promised, we are now joined by Twins senior vice president and team GM Thad Levine. Thank you for your time, and first of all, welcome back to Arlington.
3: Thank you. It's great to be here.
2: I mean, you've been familiar with this, and you've uh, you've been here. Of course, you worked here before you you came back and uh, joined the Twins. But this has to be awfully nice to come back here.
3: It's great. You know, there there are tons of friends, family here. Spent 11 years of my career here. Uh, very formidable years. I you know I was started a family here. Uh, helped rebuild the the Texas Rangers. Uh, part of a tremendous front office group. Uh, saw an ownership change. Had a chance to go to the playoffs a few times. Uh, and now I think they're about to start a, a rebuild. So it's, it, we kind of saw the, both the ups and downs while we were here, but great fan base, great employee group, and it's, it's great to come back home.
2: And they're going to play in this ballpark for one more season move just uh, next door, just uh, above right Field is where they're building a, a brand-new facility, and this place opened up in 94. In, in, were they in need, though, of a new
3: ballpark that, that quickly? I don't think so. You know, you, you, you go around this ballpark, and I think there's still a lot of great elements, and I think the ownership group has really done a lot to to renovate this ballpark over the last 10 years. I think the biggest uh, challenge, which is similar to what we face in Minnesota for the exact opposite reason, is the heat's pretty oppressive here. Yeah. And so I think the genesis of, of building a new ballpark was to have a retractable roof, have the ability to seal the place, air-condition it, and allow the fans to really enjoy a spectrum of events here. And we got an exemption when we were here in Texas where we didn't have to play day games between Memorial Day and Labor Day. A lot of fans like to see day baseball, <laughs> uh, but the the weather's just so oppressive. So I think putting a roof on the stadium will allow the fans to, to enjoy the product a lot more allow them probably to open it up for other types of events as well.
2: Now, we have a lot of news, certainly, Thad, on the show today, and I want to leave some time at the end to run through the opener that the Twins are going to utilize today with Moya opening up the game and Latell following. But certainly uh, some big news you announced after the game last night. The Twins fans uh, are hearing about, reading about, and certainly voicing their opinion about all over Twins' territories, the news that Byron Buxton is not coming up in September. The floor is yours. Just kind of explain your rationale
3: there. So, you know, and, and, and I would couple two players together here, Fernando Romero and Byron Buxton, both guys that we view as part of the future of this franchise in big parts. Uh, in Fernando Romero's case, it's probably a little bit more simplified. He's coming back from Tommy John. He ended up increasing his his innings pitched by about 20% this year, which is about a, a figure that you feel comfortable with. You don't want to push him much past that. It sets him up to throw 175-plus innings next year, which makes him very eligible to be part of our, our starting rotation coming into twenty nineteen and beyond. In Byron's case, you know, similarly we're also investing in the 2019 version of, of Byron Buxton and beyond that. It's it's been a season you know that has been checkered with some injuries and, and some disappointments. And you know, I think as we look back on what we believe to be a tremendous storied career for Byron Buxton, I think we'll look back at 2018 and, and look at it as a blip on the radar screen. But we want to put him in the best position to regain his stature as one of the best outfielders in the game and one of the most dynamic players in the game. We believe the best thing to do right now is to to set up a chance for him to get perfectly healthy. To his credit, he's been playing through a wrist injury, which is limiting him somewhat. Uh, But I think we feel like he can get healthy this offseason. There was a performance component to this decision. You know, we're not going to run from that element of it. And then lastly, it's the opportunity in the big leagues. We view Byron Buxton unequivocally as a starting outfielder with the way our team sets up right now with the performances of Eddie Rosario, Max Kepler, Jake Cave coming on late here, and now Robbie Grossman coming back and playing as well as he has. We didn't necessarily see the everyday at-bats. And so we want to set him up to be an everyday outfielder. We think the best thing to do is to start investing in that program right now I want to say just without question, we understand that Byron sees this very differently. And these are the really difficult conversations. And I will say even in my personal development in my own career, this is a huge step for me because I used to be the person who would go behind the guy who delivered the bad news and try to mend the fences. And so now I'm delivering the bad news, you know, shoulder to shoulder with Derek Falvey and Rob Anthony, And and those are tough decisions to make. But I think we really believe this is the best thing for Byron in his future, which we still view as exceptionally bright. Did he find out?
2: truly from from you or Derek or somebody within the front office or did he find out through Joel Skinner that this was indeed maybe through his representation that this was the path and if so would you like to take that back and ideally in a perfect world deliver that news yourself
3: so you know just in
2: complete candor
3: uh, with regards to that uh, one of the beauties of Derek and I working hand in hand is that in these types of instances we think it's imperative to tell the agent as well uh, because especially when we're delivering bad news, we expect that the player's first call is going to be to the agent. And now we're, we're not expecting the agent to be in concert with our decision-making, but we at least want to make him aware such that he is not blindsided by this information. So in this instance, we reached out to the agent and Byron concurrently. We ended up talking to the agent. Byron did not necessarily engage with us at that time, which is totally his prerogative. I think anytime somebody gets bad news, it's up to them. They're totally entitled to respond exactly as they as they see fit. We aspire to talk to Byron. Uh, he has spoken to Joel Skinner. We have spoken to his agent. He was very much aware of the move, uh, some of the rationale as, as explained by the agent and by Joel before we made the move. We have not spoken to him directly. We wanted, we're prepared to be patient. We want to talk to Byron. We want to restore that relationship. But this is entirely on his time. He's the one who, who received some of the bad news here. So it's up to him as to when he wants to reach out to us, but we're, we're going to welcome that conversation when he's ready.
2: One more thought before we take our last break on the show. Regarding mending fences here a little bit, do you give this time? Do you wait until the season, the big league season is over, and then kick up the conversations at some point this offseason, or do you try to pounce on this quickly?
3: I'd, I would prefer to speak to him as soon as he is ready to talk to us. But once again, I do think it's up to him to let us know when that is. I want this to be a productive conversation, so I don't want to force it but i would love to talk to him i would have loved to talk to him 72 hours ago uh, so whenever he is ready we will be ready to have that conversation we understand he will want to express some displeasure at that point and then we st- we want to start getting towards a point of focusing on 2019 Putting him in the position to regain his stature as the, one of the most dynamic players in the game.
2: Last one before we take our last break. Where did service time kind of fall in on the reasons and the and the issues that you brought up last night as to why he's not coming up? Where does that kind of fall into the mix? then?
3: so you know I think every decision we make you know we are responsible for understanding the service impact of those decisions. If we if we didn't we wouldn't be doing our jobs uh, appropriately and. So that factors in, but I would say the, the three factors that we really focused on here were health, performance, and playing time.
2: So statistically speaking, because oftentimes September call-ups are based on results. Statistically speaking, did he just not warrant a promotion with the way that he went healthy, whether that was up here or down there? Even the run he's been on the last week or so has been promising. When you look at it? You put it all in one big bowl. Did he just not earn it enough based on his on-field performance?
3: I think it's been promising, and I also think he's demonstrated an ability to play through some pain, which was a, uh, you know, a significant hurdle for him as well. But I think when we couple that with the playing time opportunity up here, uh, it just we didn't see him supplanting one of the three guys who are making up our starting outfield right now to bring him up and to have him sit on the bench and play periodically we just didn't feel like that was the best use of his time we see him as an everyday outfielder
2: right, we'll take our last break come back wrap up the show get into some of the opener conversation and we'll talk about that and more inside twins wraps up next on your home for twins baseball this is jordana green three to six on cco and you're listening to twins baseball back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killabrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Back with Thad Levine, about three minutes left in our Sunday show. And today we're going to see something that Thad has been discussed now for a while, something that the Twins certainly have been doing down in the minor leagues. But why is today the day we see the Twins go with an opener at the big league level?
3: So, you know, we, we've done it at the minor league level. I think we've seen some success at the minor league level. We felt like we had enough data to be able to present it to to Garvin to Paul Molitor and and really present that this could have some positive effect, and then it made a lot more sense to do it today because we have September call ups, so we've got some reinforcements. So for whatever reason, this goes a little bit sideways. We will not have torched our whole bullpen heading into what's going to be a very challenging series in Houston. So I think all those things factored in to making this the right time to try it.
2: The the, the data is interesting, and I've heard about it. I haven't seen it, but I've certainly heard a lot about it. Uh, you know, chatting with some folks who who've been following this and, and studying this. Uh, since this began in really early to mid-July. What's better, individual ERA or team-wide ERA? Is there one dominant stat that you point to as why this has been successful?
3: So what we've seen in the minor leagues and what we've seen from really tracking what Tampa Bay's done, I think they've done this the most extensively in the major leagues, is you're seeing team ERA dropping, uh, which which is very helpful. And I think just quite simply what we're seeing is we're seeing some of our better relief pitchers pitching at the beginning of games Neutralizing the other teams, ideally one through five hitters, that allows them the starter who's going to pitch the majority of the innings to start his game facing the bottom of the order, which should be the subordinate hitters in the order, such that when they get around to the third time in the order, the first hitters they hit face for the third time are the bottom of the order, not the top of the order. So similar to why we use some of our best relievers in the seventh and eighth innings against the one through five hitters in the lineup, we're just starting the game doing that allowing the hopefully the starter to go a little bit deeper in the game as a function of seeing the lesser hitters a third time in the order rather than the best.
2: Last minute of the show, twins relievers that that you think will be off limits, that will not do this, that will not open up games
3: or who? So uh, Paul sat down with the entire pitching staff, and I think we're looking at it less as to which relievers may not do it, more so which starters we may not do this with uh, right now. So this is going to be experimental for us in September. I think some of the more established starters on our team, you're going to still see start. I think some of the maybe less established younger starters on the team we may start using the starter concept with. So I think some of our relievers will be fair game. We've got a lot of guys that we think are capable of getting four to six outs against really good hitting. Uh, it's more that we're going to limit the starters that we we marry this up with.
2: Well, Thad, we got a lot in in a short amount of time, but thanks for coming up. Thank you very much. Now, we thank Thad Levine for joining us here on our Sunday program. We are just getting started. Stick around. The Adana Realty pregame show is moments ahead. Then we'll have game three. The Twins and the Rangers. Gabriel Moya will open up the game. We'll see Zach Littell follow. And Johander Mendez, left-hander, opposing for the Rangers. We thank you for joining us and for tuning in. Stay tuned. Much more to come right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created. And legends are made.
1: This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best